Hello, and welcome to the Kosh. I am your host, Timber Smith, and uh, thank you for tuning in again, uh, out th- all those out there listening. Um, super excited about today's episode. You know what? I am lucky. I get some pretty amazing guests uh, that agree to come on here. Uh, I'm, it, it's always the promise that is going to be a good time. <laughs> and this week's guest is Paul Van Auken. Uh, Paul, how are you doing over there? I'm doing great. Glad yeah. to be here. I am glad you are here too. Um, you ready to jump in? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Uh, can you please share a little something about yourself and uh, what is your connection to the Kosh? Well, I've been here since 2007. I think if I do the math, this is going to be my 15th year. I came here to teach at UWO, and we moved in to the Central City a couple weeks before school started that first year in 2007. So my connection is, you know, pretty tight now after all these years, not just to UWO, but um, to the city. I think of We've kind of immersed ourselves in the in the scene from the beginning, wanting to be a part of the action, not just be someone that teaches and goes and has a separate life or something. So we've got uh, my wife and I have a couple daughters that now have grown up here or have grown up way too fast. Um, I know that of, feeling. Yeah, <laughs> all of a sudden, I have a ninth grader at Oshkosh North. <laughs> exactly. That's the part that's mind blowing, uh, and I'm sure all parents out there can relate to that. But then a fifth grader, so ooh, you got a middle schooler? Well, not quite. Um, but oh, uh, that's true. When middle school starts sixth grade, right? Yeah, and and she she goes to a little Lutheran school in our neighborhood. So if she doesn't switch over to public earlier, she'll she won't do middle school because it's a it's a, it's K through eight. So so anyway, but. All of a sudden, getting taller, getting double digits. It's it's kind of mind blowing. Oh yeah, yeah. They grow they grow fast. They start creeping up on you. I never liked it when uh, the daughter would roll up on me and like give you that chin <laughs> check to let you know, yeah, like she she might surpass you. <laughs> yeah, like, like like they look forward to looking down on you. Exactly. And my wife's dealing with that already with uh, with our ninth grader that they're they're at eye level, which I think. Uh, it's, it's impressive. It's uh, it's and it's not problematic for me. I don't think they're gonna catch me. So you know, they, you feel safe, huh? <laughs> yeah. I I for a, I felt safe, but then there was a minute where I almost didn't feel safe, and then it didn't slow down. I was like, all right, all right, I'm good, I'm good. I'm, I'm not gonna have to look up to her. So yeah, I feel you on that. Um, you said that you teach. Um, what do you teach? Uh, I teach sociology, and uh, as you know, we overlapped. Uh, because I don't know how much you tout your background on the show, Timber, but I know that you're a social major in our program, which is pretty cool. Um, but we didn't, we actually overlapped in time, but not in circles because you, you didn't, um, you were finishing up when I started. Um, but so I've been teaching sociology and environmental studies from the very beginning and, um, eventually became the department chair as we got younger and smaller and so I've been the chair for the last uh, 
seven years, I think, which I really enjoy. It's a funny thing in academia. I don't know if anyone has watched the Netflix show, The Chair, which hmm. it's, uh, it's a pretty good show. It's about, I won't go all into it, but it, the premise is that it's uh, sort of like a Harvard-type college. And the chair of the English department for the first time is a woman of color. And a lot of the stuff about academia, they get pretty right. Um, and, and classic case would be, you know, first meeting, condolences about being chair. I got that so many times. <laughs> condolences? Yeah. Or, or <laughs> Exactly. And, and it, usually, actually, it's more like congratulations, or should I say condolences? I, I find that really annoying. I, I, was just, I was excited to become the chair, actually, because I believe in the department and wanted to, you know, do well. And it's a challenging time, so it's kind of exciting to be able to strategically try to figure out how to make a little department like sociology survive. So anyway, that's been a it's been a fun part of the job in the last uh, last few years. Well, I'll tell you what. I want to give a. Big fat shout out to sociology at UW yes. Oshkosh. Yes, yes, I am definitely a product of that program. I got a lot of love from that program, uh, minus maybe one individual. But other than that, every other uh, educator that was there was really about trying to help me figure the things out and, and make it happen. And um, I like to think that I am doing the program proud. So it's, And it's important to me because... Uh, you know this, like I know this. Everybody's always like, uh, so what are you going to do with that sociology degree? Mm-hmm. Well, guess what I'm doing with mine? No, I'm just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I'm just saying, uh, if you understand how people function in their environments, if you mm-hmm. understand diversity, you can work anywhere mm-hmm. and you can kind of do anything. Those are the skills that, you can't necessarily teach. You can teach Microsoft Office. You can't <laughs> teach how to relate to people, diverse people. Yeah, and I think uh, you sort of embody the pitch that I give to students when I teach uh, one of our required classes that has a career development component to it, which is, you know, when when you're a sociology major, you're not um, you're not coming out with a certification in Word, or you know, you're not coming out with an accounting degree with obvious job directions you're not coming out as a nurse nothing wrong with those majors or anything like that but you're coming out with a set of skills that will help you advance and all of a sudden you know you it didn't happen all of a sudden but you find yourself as the director of inclusion and diversity for city appleton like yeah that's what that's what you do when you get it you move up you you become a mover and shaker uh, yeah. yeah, so we love to see. There's definitely sets of skills um, in individuals, and, and, and I particularly really appreciated the nurturing approach um, to the individuals that uh, the professors that were there at my time. Mm-hmm. They were good. They were a good set of uh, people. That's great. All right. Um, you ready for the first segment? Sure. Okay. First segment. What in the world is going on with? Uh, that is where you start the phrase, what in the world is going on with, and you tell us what's, 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 what's on your mind. So uh, what's on your mind? Football. Now, that's that's maybe a weird one, but that is what came to mind. There's so many things I could say. <laughs> There's so many things going on. Right. 
But that was the one that came to mind for two reasons. Should I tell you? Yeah, I want to know. <laughs> hey, not do I just want to know. The Kosh listeners want to know. I'm a I'm a big sports fan. Um, I probably spend too much time with wasting time on on sports, but it's nice to have a distraction, something else to do, you know. Um, now, on the one hand, yesterday was the biggest. I'm from Iowa originally, and it was the biggest day probably in the Iowa Iowa State football rivalry. Rivalry. Both these teams in the top ten in college football, which is kind of amazing. I'm an Iowa fan because that was the team that was always on TV, even though I was much closer closer to Ames where um, Iowa State is. And Iowa put the smackdown on them, which was good. It was fun and everything. Watched it down at Beckett's. The, there's mm. it's actually a undercover Iowa Hawkeye bar because of multiple Iowa connections down really? there. Really? Yeah. Okay. So if if I ever want to watch an Iowa game, they'll always have it on there. So that's fun. Uh, and I like the camaraderie associated with and that kind of thing. But really the, the main reason I brought it up is I've become a pretty big Packer fan after living here for so long. Grew up a Vikings fan because I was from North northern Iowa, Minnesota pro sports are right, right north of us. But the Vikings are so unlovable. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, and I don't mean that in the sense like we need to hate the Vikings because we live in Wisconsin. I mean, man, even when, when I was a kid, you know, um, they went to the Super Bowl a little bit before my time and then during my time, but lost every time, okay? And then, since, you know, from the 80s on, Nothing. Got close a little bit, like the year where they had Brett Favre. But just unlikable. These these things just keep happening that make them kind of impossible to remain a fan, especially when I'm here in Wisconsin and the Packers being community-owned and being good. It helps. Good helps. Be good. Oh, you know what? There's something to be said for those stubborn, angry fans who <laughs> stick with it until, like, hey, that's how I feel about the Bucks. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yep. Like mm-hmm. this, now, now it's sweet. <laughs> I know. Now I know. it is sweet. I want everybody to know out there, Milwaukee born, raised. Now it's sweet right now. Now did we suffer? We suffered. <laughs> we we got a oh, lot. No. We got decades of suffering. But you know what? Sweet right now. That's right. That's <laughs> right. And that that was awesome. That was a sports season. That uh, you know it was just so fun to watch. Um, but the weird thing is, I'm still a Vikings fan too. Yeah, uh, which makes me some kind of uni- unicorn, probably because I, I still follow them kind of begrudgingly, um, but I become more of a Packers fan. B- but the main thing on my mind about it is, all of a sudden, I'm sick of the I'm sick of the Packers. I don't even, I'll probably watch the game, Bruh. but this last year, I don't know if it's the Rodgers saga, the pandemic sort of knocking the sales out of things. I don't know. I I just. I've lost a little interest there. And otherwise, it's such a likable team, aside from that. I think Rodgers spoiled some things, right? Because it's the whole, like, Wisconsin has its kind of, has a culture about its sports, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we'll suck it up. We'll take it on the chin. We'll complain. (laughs) We will complain like all get out. We we are not those people. But at, at the end of the day, we don't, I don't feel like the people we celebrate do things that I would perceive as soft. And the Rogers saga, maybe it's just me, cash listeners out there, you can call me out, but it made Rogers seem soft. Like I didn't feel that because, you know, 
what was he really complaining about? I mean, and I mean, of course, we don't really know. No. Yeah, that's the thing. But but and I mean, maybe it's egregious, you know, but but at the end of the day, you know, it seemed like the Packers were ready to bend over backwards to just give you whatever you wanted. And you were just like, nah, bro. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's puzzling. And I. Like I said, I waste too much time on it. Um, but I haven't I haven't invested much time or thought into the Packers lately. Um, but I don't know where to point the finger. Something went wrong there, and it soured things. Mm-hmm. And it made it made him look selfish, petty, and all that. But I'm not sure. You know, maybe behind yeah. the scenes, those guys have been jerking him around. I don't know. Yeah. Which it's just too bad because the the new coach, the whole the whole thing was coming together so well. And now I just I'm not I'm not excited about to start. That could change once they get rolling and everything's. Yeah. Everything's going well, but football was on my mind. No, I'm with you on that. (laughs) I I don't know what to make of that situation 100% because, of course, we don't know the whole story. But I will say this. There's the whole thing of, like, when Mike McCarthy was coach and and there was kind of this thing where it's – they were, and I remember the whispers of Aaron Rodgers was kind of like an uncoachable dude because he was kind of – going up on the line and calling what he wanted to call instead of calling what coach wanted to call. Right. And so does that play into, you know, you start taking these rumors. I'll call them rumors. Cause we all know we, right. we don't truly know. We're making assumptions as fans. Yeah. We're, we're sideline uh, on ESPN. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, you hear that and then it, it, you put that with this, whatever happened this past off season. And then you're kind of thinking, what's up with my man? Yeah. But that's also the reason I always liked him because, and, and, and what's interesting about that, you talk about Wisconsin sports fans and stuff. It's always been a little bit like, yeah, I'm not quite sure about this guy, but that's kind of why I liked him because he's not a knucklehead, you know, rough, tough, you know, um, you know, kind of one of those stereotypical meathead type athletes. I'm saying stereotypical. Right. He's a he comes across as um, a different breed of cat. You know, he's smart. He reads. He is a different kind of cat. He's kind of progressive. These are things that I think for some Packers fans have always been like, well, he's good, but when <laughs> stuff starts to hit the fan, uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be done with him. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm not necessarily done with him. I'm just the whole situation soured me on him and now I don't know maybe he was always just sort of an aloof arrogant dude I don't know we'll see what happens we'll see what happens this season yep. look all is forgiven <laughs> with championships I know. so you know if if he gone if, and win a Super Bowl then then this will all be relevant yeah exactly <laughs> but it's uh it's the first game of the the year today as we're talking so that's what came to mind okay that's fair all right my what in the world is going on with is what in the world is going on with people complaining about this hundred dollars that they are giving people who get vaccinated? You know, I got, and this is why I say that, look, I get it. It seems weird that you would have to put that kind of, I, I don't know what else to call it other than a bribe, uh, put that kind of bribe out there. But, but what I do think is this, I'd rather give the $100 for the vaccination than pay the tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in unpaid health care for those people who may get sick and don't have insurance 
and then it ends up getting covered mm-hmm. by the taxpayer. Yeah. So hundred dollars, thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars. You tell me, I think we pay the hundred dollars and invest on the front end, then pay tens, if not hundreds of thousands on the back end. That's just my thought process. Cause people don't think, uh, I, I don't know if, if the people are truly thinking about the fact that once you get, if you get sick and not everybody's getting sick and you end up in that hospital, that has, there's nothing cheap about that hospital stay. Right. And if you ain't got the right kind of insurance and there's many of us out there who don't, um, Many of us aren't lucky enough to have an all-encompassing healthcare uh, plan. Um, you, you, you're, if you're spending a month in the hospital with a with, with a ventilator in you, that's probably a hundred grand. I don't know that for sure, y'all. I'm just saying, but there's no way that it's not tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars. Not to mention, there's no room for people. And you, you could be taking a spot that somebody that has some kind of you know, pre, pre-existing serious condition needs that spot. Yeah, that's, and, and that's another thing. So um, that's my soapbox pitch. You know, uh, $100, $100 on the front end to prevent tens, if not hundreds of thousand dollars on the back end. Quit whining. That's yeah. what I want to say to y'all. Quit whining. That, that little $100 out there and it's probably not even state tax money it's probably federal money mm-hmm. quit whining that's how i feel about that. yeah it's an investment it's an investment i think i mean if you're whining about that chances are good you're you know you're against you have certain ideas about the whole thing i have no I would, problem I, think. Hey, I have no problem against people who have uh, uh their apprehension about it yeah that's right natural. but uh, here I, and if you don't want to, I'm okay with that too. But don't whine about them finding ways for others to get on board. Get out the way. And and it, uh, the experience has shown that a little monetary incentive actually works. It but, actually, it, it can be helpful in getting people who are apprehensive to do it. Here's what I'm gonna say. I, I actually worked. The, the reason I picked this is I worked a clinic yesterday. Um, a pop-up clinic, and I helped. Uh, it was part of the um, the the uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, and uh, I went, and it was it was amazing. It was just amazing, and you know I've seen some of these where uh, not that many individuals show up and participate, right. but in this case, um, you knew who were coming. It was people bringing their children, mm-hmm. those children that could, because they're they're trying to take care of these things, and and they want the kids to go to school. They want kids to stay in school, yeah. um, and and it was what I would say, personally, a success because it was. I'm not saying it was this crazy crowd of people or anything like this, but it was enough people that it gave me pause, and I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, this is awesome, and and, and I'm glad that, um. There's some, some, some progress being made on that front. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Next segment: word associations. All right. First word: food. Tacos. Facts. 
Bruh. I'm telling you right now, why is tacos the greatest food on earth? I just feel tacos are... It, I say tacos and I smile. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah? No doubt. What, what kind of favorite taco? What's your favorite taco? What's your favorite taco place? I need both. You know, I think... Uh, I don't know if I have a favorite place per se. I think getting a taco from a taco truck... An authentic taco truck is kind of where it's at. Mm. I guess my my favorite taco is probably the one, if I can determine the one that is the most authentic, and that's a little bit, now that can be sort of a rabbit hole, what makes something authentic or whatever. Right. But the ones that the, the vendor or the restaurant owner, the ones that they really like, that's what I want to try. Mm. I always try to find that out, but it can be a little dicey. Like, what? What do you recommend? Well, they have their own ideas, but I, re- I want to know who, like the typical person uh, that that digs your food. What is, what's the, the, what's the real deal there? What's their go-to? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I can tell you, uh, if I'm going to a Mexican restaurant, I'm always a south of, the, t- south of the border taco guy. You know, just give me the meat, the onions, some cilantro, yeah, yeah. Well, well seasoned meat. Yes, yes, yes. That's happiness mm-hmm. on, on a nice little corn tortilla. But you know what else I like? I like going to places when they've got, you know, that different kind of taco. That, that's something a little bit, you know, so last week... I went to this place called the Jerk Joint in Appleton, and they had, um, it's like a Caribbean, so it was a jerk taco, mm. like this jerk, and this this meat, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. jerk seasoned, tender, the craziest tender meat, and then it had a mango pico de gallo, nice, and this this little heat sauce, and I was like, this is bonkers, <laughs> and I I. So big, yes. big fat shout out to the jerk joint in Appleton. Let me tell you something. You handled your business. That sounds very good. That yes. fusion. I like, I like that, that sort of recent wave that we've seen the last couple of years of the fusion, you know, whether it's Korean barbecue tacos or something like jerk chicken, jerk yeah. chicken. I, you got to give a shout out for jerk chicken in general. I just yes. had some of that from now the, the Caribbean food truck that i don't remember the exact name that's been at the the farmer's market and they've been at the the brews on the bay oh yeah oh yeah it's good good food good food my daughter went actually yesterday to the farmer's market and uh, her boyfriend got the jerk sandwich Mm -hmm. i think it was a jerk chicken sandwich and she ranted and raved Mm -hmm. because apparently it is amazing yeah yeah it is it's really good I think the, the best chicken I've ever had was jerk chicken the one time I went to Jamaica from a road st- roadside place where we had a driver that took us from the airport to the place we were staying. Mm. And, he t- and he took us to, this was not a touristy kind of place. I mean, maybe he takes tourists there like us, but this was ramshackle, side of the road place, like somebody grilling basically mm-hmm. next to the road. Yeah. And that jerk chicken was awesome. Yep. Some of the best food I ever had. Hey. That's because you knew somebody knew what they was doing. That, that's right. That's what I'm saying, though. You follow the person that really knows. That's right. And hopefully you're getting the, the real deal. I'm going to agree uh, with you on that. Yep. Okay. Cocktail or beer? Uh, what comes to mind, I guess, is Fifth Ward. 
uh, brewery here in Oshkosh because um, I sampled some of their beer yesterday down at the Oshkosh Food Co-op. And I know they made a special Susquehanna Ale for UWO's birthday party today. Hmm. I have never gone there yet. You should go. It's fun. It's a nice. It's got a. They've, they've got a good vibe there. You know. I've heard amazing things about it, but I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest with you. There's one reason I don't go, and that's because I'm not really a beer drinker. Yeah. I drink cocktails, and I heard they ain't got no cocktails, so therefore, <laughs> I feel like it ain't. It it ain't made for me. Well, maybe they'll hear this, and uh, maybe they have some pitch for you. I don't, I don't know what that pitch would be, but I'm sure they'd like to get you down there. Well, you know what? If there's ever a timber <laughs> brew that comes about or the kosh brew that comes about, I, I'd be all about it. And, yes, I would come celebrate that. And, and hey, if you're out there listening from Fifth Ward, I'd love to have you on as guests. Zach and Ian, yep. Um, yeah, they've, and these are, you know the story, though. They're two pretty young UWL grads that started it. <laughs> I've read an article or two. Yeah. So it's fun. It's fun to see how, um, I mean, relatively quickly, they turn that into their own, you know, successful joint in addition to making the beer. And they've got a nice beer garden where they have music in the summer and stuff. So that's what came to mind. Stuff I tasted yesterday was nice. My my wife uh, had tasted previously when they released it this um, Hot Donna because they've got a couple that 70s show themed brews and mm-hmm. so it's a red ipa and she didn't like it but i tasted it yesterday and thought it was actually quite good so okay netflix netflix i guess the chair because uh we were just talking about it, i suppose that's what that's what came to mind it was uh it was one of those shows although i'll, I'll talk about a different i'll talk about a different show in a second because then my mind went, went straight to that one the chair is enjoyable, and it's it's kind of fun to to have a show about academics, and then you can sort of talk to other academics about what they thought about it. Right. And a couple other people I've talked to about it were similarly enthused about it. That they didn't get everything right about it, but um, enough of the kind of nuances of what it's like to be in, especially in the liberal arts in a in a college or university. Right which has been a bit dicey in recent years, (laughs) you know, and then talking to a person of color who could totally relate to some of the the stuff going on there. Bruh. Facts. Um, That's fun. You know, and it was, I was, I was thrown out to, to some of my colleagues, uh, including uh, Doc Simpson and the African American studies program is also part of our sociology department that, that could be a fun show to have, um, you know, African American Studies Club and the Sociology Club students watch, and then have some some professor come and talk about, because you know the experience as a student is wrapped up in that too, how your professors are feeling and doing and being treated and stuff. Right. So, I would recommend that show, particularly people that I, that you know, kind of interested in what what happens on a college campus. But it's fun in general. David Duchovny from. Uh, you know, Mulder, uh, X-Files. There we go. X-Files. Oh, okay. He, he, may, he appears as himself, which is pretty hilarious. Um, but the other show I want to mention, I, I really like um, real crime documentaries, true crime documentaries that are well done. Uh, and, you know, that's been kind of a popular thing, and some of them are better than others. One I just watched was really good. Uh, it's called Sophie, A Murder in West Cork. 
uh, in this rural part of Ireland, mm. and she was French. So there's that that plays into it because the French law says if somebody's murdered on foreign soil, they can do their own inquiry, mm. and they can try the suspect in absentia and put him in jail in France. So I won't mm. give away anything in case people want to watch it, but. That was just one of many interesting dimensions to that show. Uh, just a short, limited series. But um, I like those British mystery kind of detective dramas anyway, and this is a real one. So Okay. Amazon. You know, the first word that comes to mind is evil. <laughs> <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> Break it down. Oh, man. I mean... I've I've ordered things from Amazon. We had we even have the Prime subscription, which I blame on my wife because she has a small business and gets a lot of stuff that she needs for that, and it's it works well for that. But I mean, man, it's caused so much destruction to the American economy, to the environment from all those trucks and all those shipping materials, and then Jeff Bezos just proven to be. What can you say? An out-of-touch tool flying up in a giant penis rocket to space. I mean, the whole thing just... It's it, it, wrong it, with you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I understand I understand its appeal. And like I said, there are, there are things that are good about it. But overall, evil. <laughs> All right, that's fair. I'm going to tell you, man, I like... I... Am a, I, I I like Amazon. And That's I'm, fine. I'm the, no, no, I'm, I'm not counter. I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Let's hear it. Amazon is the most equal opportunity shopping experience there is. So as a person who has shopped, who has been followed, who has been mistreated, guess what I'm not on Amazon? None of those things. Yeah, I hear and, that. And, and so... Um, what I what I say out there to the retailers is, um, you got to think about how you've treated people over time, and now that you need us, because there's another option that's that we don't have to worry about those mm-hmm. things. It, it's something you might have should have thought about a minute ago. See, that's that's your sociological mind there in action, man. And I'm, I'm just, that, that is my true life experience in action, but yes, yes. I know, I, and I, I I totally hear you. I, I think that's completely legitimate. Um, thing is, that could be any company. I mean, shopping on the internet has that quality to it, but Amazon does it in a, in a, in a way that's reliable in addition to yeah. giving you that, where you don't have to deal with that well, experience. That sort of experience. But but here's your here's your here's my point to that, right? So you're right. Everybody can do it online. That's reliable. But guess what? I'm not gonna do. If I went to Target and I got followed, and I'm not saying I have, so so I'm not saying Target is just what popped in my head. Um, but if I went there and got followed, guess what? I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna go shop for them online. No, I hear you there. Yep. So so once it's shot, it's shot. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, and it's so. And and since Amazon didn't have no places, no no walk in places where I could have that bad experience, right? They got in it. They have an advantage. Now I also will say, 
Uh, my other favorite place uh, for retail is Walmart. And I will tell you that one, too, because Walmart is also the most equal opportunity uh, shopping experience for in-store. And that is because everyone gets treated poorly. And they don't care who you are. They don't care if you got money or not. You, you're not catching it good. They just It is what it is. And everybody. So, you know what? If I see something go down, if, if something goes down there and, and it happens to me, I don't think it's because of my tan. I just know it's this. It, it, it probably happened to the person before me and behind me. It's all good. It's tough in that joint. <laughs> uh, that's an interesting take, man. Hey, when was the last time you've been there? <laughs> 1994. Oh, <laughs> but no, this is, I love, that's why I love uh, having conversations and that's why I love sociology because I still stand by my take on Amazon. Yes. But your take, your perspective based on your experience is totally legit. And that's what the, that's what our field is all about is trying to understand how somebody else could look at the same thing that you think is evil and see the, the opposite. Right. Absolutely. Um, and I know, and I, you know, I know that, that, and that is, that's an interesting thing. Like, okay, retailers, just like you were saying, if you want to, you know, bricks and mortar retailers, you want to survive, then maybe you need to be paying attention, learning some lessons from certain segments of the population that don't necessarily want to send Jeff Bezos to space, but they like not being harassed and targeted and discriminated against right. at your stores. Yes. So you should do, you should try to do everything you can to make it a truly welcoming place. And, and it may not be that bad now. I just, I just may be having old school feelings because I feel uh, as of right now, there's probably people are probably uh, retailers are probably very careful because of the opportunity of people to put things on social media and for them to go, like wildfire and do that. So, I mean, I'm sure there is greater caution than what there used to be, but you know, what can I say? And you, but you'd hope that they would proactively just want to be welcoming and, and inclusive. Yes, and, absolutely. And f- create a place where everybody feels like they belong. And that, that's going to be better for business anyway. You know, it shouldn't take all this other stuff to make that happen, but that's that's life in America. Better for business, better yep. for the community, better for us as neighbors, as as, as uh, residents sharing these spaces. You know, it's, it's just better. Okay. Um, all right. Um, diversity. Yeah. Um, that's where it's at. <laughs> That's the first thing that comes to mind. That's where it's at. Uh, you know, diversity is one of those buzzwords, as you well know, that has been kind of used and abused and co-opted and misunderstood and stuff. But um, I still say that's where it's at. <laughs> it's just that it's it's become that way because as a society, we haven't lived up to the the ideals and the potential of this place. So it's had to be pushed as an agenda, which, which isn't good for people really on either side of it. You know, if you're afraid of diversity, you feel like somebody's trying to shove it down your throat. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're into it, it's not good either because it, it's, it's, it's like it's contrived and, and forced that that doesn't help that much either, but true, you know, appreciation, celebration of diversity and, you know, just to diverse people interactions perspectives that's what makes human life 
you know, interesting and rewarding, fun, uh, meaningful. That's my take on it. We'll touch on it later, at least from my perspective. Yeah, so don't get me wrong, though. I think the fact that diversity hasn't been celebrated and appreciated like it should have been, it still needs to be pushed in, in institutions like you're doing with the city of Appleton and like we're, we're doing at Oshkosh now. Um, because otherwise, the status quo will revert to the status quo, and the status quo is one in which, um, you know, the majority group dominates and, and other experiences and people and, and voices and, and such are pushed to the sideline. So we still we need that um, until we reach a, what did Stevie Wonder say, higher ground? I think it's bigger than that right at this point. I think um, right now, to be perfectly honest, uh, I think there is a an a economic there 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 we have to do this. We have to come to terms with diversity and inclusion because of the economics of it, right? There there's a lot of stuff that we justify um, through through the government and and what are we gonna do because what's good for business right shoot business even got to be labeled an individual so it had rights right for our voting and stuff right well i I need your bra button oh (laughs) bra (laughs) (laughs) and so so the way i look at it is like this right now you know, there's this thing that since the 80s and 90s, we have been told that when these baby boomers retire, we ain't going to have enough workers. Right. And so and we we sat here and right now we got a bunch of people complaining about how there's not worker enough workers. But they're thinking it's because it is three hundred dollars for, for the unemployment. Yeah. Right. But they were telling you back in the 80s and 90s that this was happening. And guess where we're at right now? We're at the point in which those baby boomers have started retiring Mm -hmm. and the pandemic has only made them retire quicker. Mm -hmm. So we have a shortage of individuals. And, and what that means is we either find a way to fill these spots and what we may have to do, or what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to fill these spots with the individuals that were not necessarily getting the opportunities prior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and uh, there is an organization I worked for. I ain't going to say say who that was, but there was an organization I worked for, and there was a point in time where there was 2,000 less constituents of a certain type where they realized that there's this shortfall of these 2,000 individuals who would normal sit, normally sit in these seats that mm-hmm. we need to keep functioning. Mm-hmm. And then they look, go back and look at the trends and they realized, oh, this trend has been trending downward. And these 2000 seats were white individuals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And, and that these numbers were not picking up. So but they needed to fill these seats. The mm-hmm. seats had to get filled because they they needed them to continue to function. Um, and so what they had to do was they had to go out there and say, well, how can we fill the seats of who we've primarily been uh, advertising to, is searching for, trying to fill the seats with? 
just don't flat out exist. Well, guess what? They had to figure out that, oh, wait, um, international individuals. Oh, wait, people of color. Oh, wait, people outside of the region. These kinds of things we had to do Amen. to yep. fill these seats. And, and I think that is exactly where private sector business is at right now. And they may not have come to terms with it that, okay, and now what they've got to do is they got to go back and say, we got to, we got to fix our environments. We got to get our cultures in place so we can actually retain these individuals. It's one thing to get the individuals in your door and give them an opportunity, but if it's highly uncomfortable, they got choices. Yep. So you got to get your culture together. So if somebody want to hang out there for a minute and actually uh, stay and, and give you, give you their quality, this, this other insight, this, this other point of view to help the, the business grow, to maybe give you a new constituency to mm-hmm. cater to or, 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 or to sell to. Um, new products even. It, new products even, yeah. correct. Um, and so I think that's where we're at. And, and, and I bring all that up is we are at the point that this is, diversity isn't about just saying, okay, that's kumbaya. Right now it's about how do I keep my business functioning because I need people to fill these spots. Yeah. And I I think the institution, the example that you gave is a nice microcosm of what's happening around the country. And and that was, that was astute of you to bring up because it took a while. I was uh, sitting on the, hearing a, a lot of similar things for a while there, just thinking, no, no, what you're saying is just patently false, that, well, we're dealing with this problem because of a demographic issue. Well, look at the demographics. You're looking at the wrong demographics. <laughs> right. You're looking at the traditional constituents or customers or whatever. Right. The, the less traditional, the, the, the people more on the margins have been growing by leaps and bounds. Yeah. So this, this narrative is just flat out false and it, and it, I don't, I don't hear it so much now, thankfully, but it took way too long. It did. Uh, And, and and I think you're right that, you know, and you're seeing some, some businesses and institutions around the country are getting it and they are saying, well, maybe it's because we're still paying 725 an hour. That might be part of it. Maybe we need to pay people a little bit more. And then maybe we mean to think how they're feeling when they come in the door, just like you're saying, all those things. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just think, like all things, it's complex. But I guarantee you this, the traditional answers that have been used in the past no longer hold true. You will not find your way out of this in an old mindset. Yep. And one, one other thing I want to throw out there that's sort of along those lines is, just in case we don't come back to it, is even the, some of the terminology that we, that we use, it's hard, I mean, it's hard to find terms that aren't problematic in some way. You know, if you mm-hmm. think about the, the three main words that get used in this arena, diversity, inclusion, equity. Yep. There, there's a, if people are interested in this topic and not aware of this guy named John Powell, he directs a thing called the Othering and Belonging Institute out of Cal Berkeley. He, uh, he's an interesting dude and he's got, he's got a different approach to thinking about these things and, and essentially is saying that what we need to get to is belonging. 
that is the term that I have been using in um, nice. my my new opportunity. I do. I find that um, it's sad, but diversity has become a divisive word. Um, equity has become a divisive word because everybody thinks uh, diversity feels forced. Uh, equity feels like, uh, from what I've been told, it for there to be equity, what are you taking from me? Mm-hmm. What are you taking from me to make it equitable for other people? And they don't realize yeah. it's never about taking from you. Right. It's just about raising everybody up. Yeah. So things are, are, are fair. I like the yeah. term fair, right? Because I don't believe there's a point of true equity. Right. But I do believe we can get to spaces where there, there's at least a fairness about things, right? And so, um, but you're right. The, the words, the words right now have, have, have uh, you know, the only word that I can't, that I don't feel has that edge or, or, or has that pushback is inclusion. And to me, uh, inclusion and belonging are interchangeable. I can, I can kind of, I can kind of work them together. Yeah, and I, I guess I see it a little differently, though I understand where you're coming from. And um, this John Powell guy, it's just another way of thinking about it. He definitely sees them differently. Um, and he's there's a video. Um, if you if you if you just Google it, John Powell video belonging, he breaks down exactly why, and in a much uh, clearer way than than I can. And uh, just in a nutshell, though, you know. Inclusion has this, it's, it's good. It, the premise is good, but it's got this connotation. Like it's begrudging, like, okay, you can be included. You can sit at the table, but I think I've always thought that integration is a better word though. It's got baggage, but like, are you actually woven into the fabric of what's going on? Mm-hmm. The word that he uses for that, higher level is belonging do you do you actually belong at the table are are you welcomed respected um and he has this concept of breaking that the bonds when you're like if you equity sounds good in principle too but people think it's taking away but he's basically saying it involves distribution of resources which implies competition like breaking of bonds however you slice it we got to get to fairness. He's folks. If we start, if people start belonging more, we'll get there. And that's kind of my thing too. Like if we can build true community, which is difficult. That's a whole fuzzy word too. Mm-hmm. But if we can build that in, in reality, in neighborhoods, in institutions, um, then these other things over time will start to work themselves out. So for him, it's that concept of belonging. I'm feeling that. All right, last word, music. Music's good. Uh, I love music. I, pl- I I played some music yesterday with a buddy of mine. Um, I'll I'll share some of the, save some of the details for the shout out portion of the podcast because uh, I want to give a couple shout outs related to that. But um, wait, I didn't tell you. You shout out all through the show. You didn't. You know. That's what we do. We we, we shout out, bro. <laughs> That's, that's how I we just want to make sure, make sure I have material for fair, later. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. But, uh, you know, I think it's that actually fits pretty well. It's a nice segue from diversity because 
you know, it's, it's cliche, but music crosses boundaries, um, really obviously. And, uh, like I'll give an example from yesterday. Uh, my buddy Joe and I stumble brothers. We just, we play, we play cover songs and, uh, it's, it's for fun and entertainment. So we were the entertainment for the Oshkosh Food Co-op's grand opening party yesterday. You start playing, and, and there was a relatively diverse group of people outside uh, in the festivities. And immediately, we're playing some song that a lot of people would, I don't know what song, but a lot of people would probably find it, you know, cheesy. I don't know. Not, not the, the, the uh, very cutting-edge song. People start dancing, though, right away. Black people, white people dancing together back there. Mm, what? Let me guess. Were you doing Al Green? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, though. It would have made more sense if we were doing something. No, it's like, I don't I can't remember what song it was. Probably some, you know, acoustic version of a 90s rock song is a lot of what we do. Okay. Uh, so there is that. People, it doesn't matter. There's a little groove going on there. People That's start right. moving and they're interacting with each other. It's, it's beautiful. Um like I said, it's going to sound a little cliche, but the best though was this, uh, you know, there, there's this boy, I don't know how old he was. I'm not sure what his, uh, his race or ethnicity was. Uh, but the bigger point is his age. I think he was probably like eight years old and he was just watching us. Maybe he was, maybe he was nine, 10. I don't know. He was watching us really intently and there weren't that many people out there. We get done with the song. Who's clapping and cheering? This kid. He's clearly into it. He come and he comes and sits right behind us uh, later. And he he just says, "This is like one of the best things I ever heard." I really like your music. (laughs) 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 For some reason, it really clicked with this guy, you know. And hopefully, uh, maybe that'll spark something if he's if he's not doing music already. That. Hey, that's that looks fun. I should do that too. You know what? No, kids are honest. So you know what I that know. says? Like, because if it wasn't, he wouldn't have said none. I know, and and I, I loved how direct too. It's like, sounds good, guys. Nope, I like your music. That's <laughs> fantastic. That awesome. makes <laughs> that's so that's so good. All right. The whole thing was a success after that. It didn't matter what else happened. We, this kid liked our music, so that that facts. All right, I'm going to send a, send a call out to uh, the Kosh listeners out there. What I want to know is, okay, so I'm not going to lie. I took some time to listen to Kanye's new album. I want to know how y'all feel about it. That's a, I just want to know how people feel about Kanye's new album because, you know, it, 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 Kanye be on some stuff. And, and the only thing I'm going to say is this. I appreciate Kanye for the fact that he truly views himself as an artist. Like, like no ifs, ands, or buts. He don't care what y'all think. Kanye make Kanye music. Whatever that means at that point in time, and it's always, it's there's an evolution to it, right? Because uh, he don't never make two albums to sound the same. Right. He be in a different space. That's exactly what he's going to make at that time. And so um, I just want to know what y'all feel. Please, please. Uh, Hit me up, uh, reach out, uh, send us emails at, uh, you know, uh, askthekosh at gmail.com. I just want to know what y'all are thinking about Kanye because he, he a wild boy. I hope you get some feedback. That'd be fun to hear what people think. I haven't heard that record, but he's certainly an interesting cat. He is. He just is. 
All right. Next segment. Uh, Kosh, the Kosh Hidden Gems. Uh, what's a hidden gem that you that you really like around here in the Kosh? Yeah, I guess what comes to mind for me is out, outdoor spaces. And I think... There are, I think there are some places that I really like that maybe um, other people, not that many other people would would go to. Um, but it, I guess it also depends on whether you disc golf or not because uh, <laughs> I'm not good at it, but I really enjoy it because it gets me, it just gets me out there doing something active and um, it's not just going for a walk, which I go for a walk every day with my wife in Menominee Park because we live across the street, so I'm not bashing walking. I'm just yeah. saying it's something different. Right. And, you know, compared to some places, uh, we don't have um, awesome top-notch disc golf courses in Oshkosh. You know, the Appleton area has got some that are better because they have more geographical advantages or geological ones, I guess. Hills. <laughs> All right. Trees. <laughs> Trees, hills. <laughs> All right, fair. Things like that. But, but the two that we have in town – still have their their spots that are really cool and, and unique. So at County Park, um, I wrote a story about this uh, for Oshkosh Independent, which is now defunct, sadly. And I don't even think you can find the story on the Internet now. I really had fun writing that story, too. I went and interviewed the county park director, and then I kind of talked about the history of the course and, and stuff. But what was, 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 what's been cool to see is uh, evolution of that, course over time because when I first came it was it had a a lot of holes but there wasn't a lot of interest there that like physical interest to the place I don't need challenge I'm not talking about that if anybody's a disc golfer out there I'm not talking about like I need more challenge no I'm not very good like I said it's just it wasn't an interesting space to walk through really and that's really changed Um, they created some hills out there you know and hills changed the they do something you know like humans respond to things like that woods and hills and so forth when they they widened county a or something there was a bunch of dirt that needed to go somewhere and the county said let's take it and they put it on the edge along um the sunny view whatever that road is that y that goes there right so now you see those hills there and those are a, a really cool feature of the course and beyond that they planted a bunch of native plants there which i'm i'm kind of intonated plants for a variety of reasons. So if you go there around now, for example, just a diversity of plants and, and bees and birds, all kinds, you'll see all kinds of birds because they're attracted to these flowers too. Right. So you went from having this kind of boring flat space to something. And you know, that didn't offer much in the way of <laughs> diversity as far as plants go either to having, and they have, uh, or animals, <laughs> right but now they've woven they've woven these uh native prairie plant gardens throughout the park too so the average uh <laughs> yeah that, that's that's good old bosco <laughs> the average user of county park will notice it too if you're out there to rollerblade or run or whatever there's all kinds of cool native plants and then uh the other disc golf course next to in Red Arrow Park next to West High has its charms too. I mean it actually has a hill that was also built by humans through garbage. Garbage mm-hmm. hill. Garbage hill. Yep. You know, or, there are three different holes, I think, or four maybe that 
where the the hill plays a pivotal role. But the other part about that that I've noticed is across the the creek there from where the disc golf course is. I mean, the disc the course also runs on along this creek, which is cool because you can see egrets and herons and things right there while you're disc golfing. Stuff that I guess for me is a hidden gem because if I hadn't been out there in a park that you're driving by, it doesn't look that great. Okay. When you get out there, right? Hey, actually, it doesn't take that much. You got some trees, you got some water, you're going to get cool animals. And, and in recent years, I don't really know. This is a hidden gem that I don't even, I, I don't even know how it came about, but it's part of whatever the assisted living or um, that complex is over there. Um, Evergreen, maybe they have apartments sitting along there. Mm. But it seems like it's public space, and it's it's been there's a lot of um, nice trees and plants and stuff are in there now too. And one day I'm disc golfing there, right in the city, and there's a deer over there, which isn't that surprising, but it just tells you that again, you just have to have these little pockets of nature, and cool cool things happen. So that's the kind of stuff that I look for um, in Oshkosh. And there are more I could go on and on about hidden gems like that. What I'd like to see us do is to try to proactively build create more of those spaces sort of like that example from county park like when we're doing downtown development along the river i've th- this has not happened yet and I- i'm waiting for it to where some some developer that's going to put in and maybe it's going to be this company that did the the brio building where the co-op is is going to set aside part of that space to create a little pocket of nature um in intermingled with uh because what you have now is just trees it's like totally too too human too too man-made kind of thing it's fine but it doesn't do it doesn't necessarily do those those other unique things like we've seen in other places okay so that's what i got for that well the next segment that i was gonna uh go to was what does the kosh need but you might have covered that is there something (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, so is there something else that uh, the cash might need or do you want to leave it at that? I think more more of that little pockets, little pockets of nature and kind of go along with that, I guess, would be um, more connected bike trails that get people around town and off the streets so they don't get hit by cars and killed by them. I got hit by a car once. I obviously didn't get killed, but I got plopped down in my head. Thankfully, I was wearing a helmet. It's on the way to teach sociology of the modern city class I'm teaching right now. I got T-boned by a car. Ooh. That, um, ooh. What did he say? He claimed, Bruh. yeah, it was, a, it was a bright sunny day in the morning. And he claimed that he couldn't, what was it? He couldn't see well? I don't know. But I had to, I was like, I, I'd just been on his hood. And then he sees me on his hood and panics, slams on the brakes. I go flying off the hood onto my head. He's freaking out. That's fine. Okay, I'm not dead, uh, you know. But then he tries to tell, give me these excuses, and I was like, like that kid. No, truth is, you didn't stop. I could see it out of the corner of my eye. You didn't stop, so shut up. <laughs> That's what you're at. You didn't stop, and you know what? People people don't pay attention to pedestrians and bicyclists enough. So, you know, um, I think there have been some good changes, like with Jackson Street making that. Um, people that's probably a polarizing topic but making that a turn only lane in the middle and slowing things down we need more of that and more dedicated spaces for for bicyclists um i I think if you asked me this question five years ago the first thing that would have come to mind would probably be more 
businesses owned by people of color, which we still need. But that's there's been progress in that regard. I'm I'm I've seen some good uh, evolution uh, in terms of people of color owning businesses, and then you know just um, kind of being more naturally woven into what's happening when you go around town. So that's been a good thing to see. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I don't know. I I, I guess. Um, I, I, my point of view might be different because I've been woven about this town for about 30 years. So <laughs> my, my, my point of view might be just a little bit different. And yeah, that's just definitely. because I was, I've just been here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm just saying, and it's, there's a long ways to go. So don't get me wrong. I'm just saying there are visible positive changes in that regard that, that, that I've noticed, which, which is good. Just more, it's more interactions and just seeing people out and about that are of all kinds of different backgrounds, just naturally doing things what, that any person would do, like walk their dog, like I saw on the way to your house just now. Yeah. Just seeing more of that. It's not just yeah. the, the, you know, the same sorts of people that yeah. you associate with, with Oshkosh here. And it's, it's becoming, it's, it's starting to, Oh, it, it it it's been happened. It, it, we're at the point now that it it's happened. Yeah, we're not. It's not in progress. It's progressed. Yeah, it has. And and and, and this is a different cash. But you know, uh, we might we might end up talking about that a little All bit right. later. Cool. Um, next segment. The Naughty Slash Heroes Corner. This is your opportunity to nominate somebody to the Naughty or to the Heroes Corner. Uh, it's not an individual necessarily, but it can be, or an organization. You can nominate You can nominate to both if you choose to. Where, where, where are we going? I guess what comes to mind for the Naughty Corner is uh, not specific people, but parents that keep acting like knuckleheads in different spheres. And I, so I'm referring to parents um, who are making, putting high school sports on in jeopardy of being able to function because they can't get enough refs to ref games. I mean, come on, people. Take these, these things way too seriously, and you wreck it for your own kids. And they're also learning from you about how to behave, which is not good. And then parents being crazy with school boards around the country um, and, and lashing out at, at school boards and, and people who work in public health uh, just irrationally. Uh, how that, This is not helpful. This is not helpful to anyone. You can have your opinions about things, but to... To go straight to that name-calling place and, and uh, kind of harassing sort of place—that's something that's that's that I think everyone per- listening, I'm sure, recognizes. But that's what comes to mind for me: like, chill out and just take stock of what's going on in your world, <laughs> and before you 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 start lashing out at people. Thank you. Uh, for heroes, I guess. I guess I would, what comes to mind is um, two things. We were talking earlier before we started recording, and Timber asked me, well, what have I written about lately? And I just did a couple posts for this thing that hasn't really taken off yet, but I'm still trying to 
make it take off called Oshkosh and Beyond. It's similar to the Kosh podcast. They're actually trying to do similar things. Um, we should maybe talk about that some other time. But yeah. basically, the idea with Oshkosh and Beyond, which is only a Facebook page at this point, is to be a portal for stories. Sort of like kind of along the lines of what you're doing here. Who, who's doing interesting things that otherwise people might not hear about? Or what's, a, what's an interesting place, that sort of thing? It's a portal for stories. So the last two that, that I put up there, one was about Kenny Hoopla. He's a musical artist from Oshkosh. So if you're interested in that, the Northwestern actually just had, that was the premise of my article. I interviewed this guy a year ago. And for a variety of reasons, I didn't get the article that I wanted to get done, done. And and then a year later, the Northwestern beats me to it. Oh, <laughs> bruh. Well, I mean, that's their job. You know, I, I just do this other stuff on the side. So, and it was also, it was good for him. He was on the, he's on the, he was the, the top article, the top fold of the paper yeah. about this young black man from Oshkosh. It was great, but, I was like, oh, man, I missed it. And not only did I not break the story, which is selfish thought, but I kind of feel like, well, I wasted his time because I, I called him on the phone when he was in this, this big studio in New York City, talked for a while, and then I didn't do anything with it. But now I have done something with it. But the premise was, okay, I got scooped, scooped by the Northwestern. That's cool. I still have interesting things that I have from this transcript, these notes I took mm-hmm. that are worth sharing. So you can find my piece about Kenny Hoopla on Oshkosh and beyond on Facebook. Um, and the what? reason, the reason uh, I, I, I wanted to highlight him, I guess it's a little shout out too. I guess that's only natural if you're, if you're uh, asked, you're talking about the hero's corner, but this is a kid that, uh, well, he's not a kid now. He's a, he's, he's a young man, but, um, he sort of came out of nowhere, and I th- I, the reason I want to do the story is here's a guy that's now been in the top ten on Billboard charts for two different songs, and the average person in Oshkosh wouldn't have heard of him. And that's the kind of thing, c- kind of like what you're doing. Let's get this stuff out there so people know about it and can celebrate it and, and learn something from it, you know? It, 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 I'm with it. You know what? Can you get me hooked up with him? You think he'd like to come on the cash? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, I'll see what I can do. He's very busy. So part of the reason I didn't feel like I, I didn't feel like I had enough to write that article the way I wanted to. I, I was missing some information and I couldn't get I couldn't get through them after that first. Uh. Well, he actually followed up and sent me some stuff. But then, you know, he's been literally traveling the world doing music, collaborating yeah. The, the latest song that, of his that was in the, this is just in May 2021, was in the top 10, reached number eight on the alternative airplay charts, was a collaboration with Travis Barker, who's the drummer for Blink-182, which is right. a huge band. And he, he had a headlining tour in England and stuff. So, I mean, I don't blame the guy. He, he, yeah, well, <laughs> he's busy. But his brother, his brother, uh, Brandon Williams, he'd be a cool person to have on here too. Okay. Brandon Williams, uh, DJ B-Whoop, uh, is a guy that I met when he was he was um, involved with some Black Lives Matter movement, local stuff, and then it turned out he was brothers with Kenny Hoopla, a guy that I'd been hearing on the radio. So this kind of this this full circle thing happened. So he might be able to uh, hook you up. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about that. All right. Sounds and the, like the other one, just real quick, was about 
this Afghan resettlement process that's going on. So I think um, there, there are a lot of angles that you could take to say somebody's a hero, but the, 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 the specific person that I focused on in this other piece on Oshkosh and beyond, uh, I think is you could consider him a hero. He's a very interesting guy, an Afghan person who came here on a SIV, a special immigrant visa, which is, that's, you know, these, these people that they're, there's this other status that I'd never heard of this. Uh, yeah. The parolee. Yeah. That, that whole thing. That that's for people that don't yet have the SIV and maybe they won't get it, you know, but um, he had it because he served as an interpreter with the, the U S for six and a half years. Wow. Yeah. And, and read the story on Oshkosh and beyond there's cause it's, it's mostly quotes from him about um, how, you know, what that was like. And so if you think of interpreter, it's different than I think the reality. I think, you know, somebody that's helping in an office decipher. No, he is out there in yeah. firefights. He said for 16, 17 hours a day, and I don't want to give it all away because I want you to go read it. But but just the one of the most uplifting personalities I've ever met. We had we were in his house. He's he's managed to become a homeowner. He's managed to even though, you know, if you're if you're a year away from getting a bachelor's degree in Afghanistan, you're studying law, are they going to count that and let you transfer into a place like UWO or Lawrence mm-hmm. and say, okay, sure. No, they no. don't do that, which happens to to immigrants of all kinds, but especially refugees that, you know, they don't have any, they didn't want to leave. Uh, and, and we don't need to get into what's a refugee versus SIV and all that, but... Um, no, they gave him. They did give him some credit at the tech, though, and he finished his associates. And then the last I talked to him, he was he was starting work on a bachelor's degree. And um, but you know, he said every single second of every day, he's thinking about his parents and siblings back home. And this was long before this Taliban takeover. You know, just imagine what's going on with him and people like him now, right? Where their their people are in limbo and they may be having a hard time figuring out where they are and stuff. So. Uh, I'd give a shout out to a guy that we're calling Jawad. That's not his real name, but um, just an amazing person. Um, so it, it, here's what I'm going to tell uh, for the Kosh listeners. What we're going to do is we're going to make sure that um, we're going to get links for these uh, stories that uh, Paul is talking about, and and we'll be able to connect you through them through through the uh, the information of the podcast. Sounds good. All right. Okay. We are at that time. It is time for the topic of the week. Uh, As you know, the guest always picks the topic of the week. And this week's topic of the week is... Modern family. Modern family. All right. I'm not going to lie. I have something to do with this. Uh, this time, but, but, uh, when I, when I asked Paul how, how he felt about it and I explained, explained it to him, he was like, Oh, I like that. Mm -hmm. That works. Mm -hmm. All right. So, all right. Modern family. Let's go. Yeah. And I can't tell you much about the TV show of that name because though I've seen it, um, no, I haven't seen it very often. Great show though. Funny. Uh, I think the reason that Timber suggested that is maybe just. Why do why do you suggest it, and then jump off of that? All right, uh, I suggested uh, Modern Family is because there's a lot of people 
you know, I hey, I'm not gonna lie, I'm a huge fan of the show because the show is hilarious. But I, what I do think it does is it goes to show like what the what is the new family in America? It it it's changing. It, there's different looks to it, right? There's still a lot of tradition to a lot of families, but there's a lot more families out there now who don't necessarily have the old school traditional look. And in this case, Paul has a modern family. So yeah, that works. Yeah. Um, and I guess part of that is uh, families that are bicultural or, you know, of multicultural, multiracial, that that's a demographic fact that there are more and more families like that. Um, multi um gender multi I mean, right. there's, there's a lot of stuff going on yeah yeah and uh and that's that's what demographers have been predicting for years that this is going to become more and more than some people are scared of that other people say about time you know I, and i'm in that latter category that i think it's great though it's all an evolution you know it's all an evolution because we have we have a good, great example of a modern family next door. And when I was a younger person and grown up and even with a multicultural family myself, um, because my mom is from Norway. So I think I had a little bit of it and I spent a lot of time there, had a little different, different experience. I was very privileged to be able to go to Norway a lot and have a different way of looking at the world. But, you know, um, back when I was younger, I probably would have been scared by some elements of, cause it was different, you know, um, to be a to be a homosexual person and to be an LGBTQ community back in this rural town that I'm from back in those days was undercover. You know, I can't think of anybody that was out back then. You know, now I have an awesome newish neighbors who are in the LGBTQ community with a wonderful son who is just so he just brings so much joy to the neighborhood, really. You know, and so that's another example right there next door, which is, it's just really cool. And I'm, and I'm certainly glad that over time, I mean, just going to college and, and growing up a little bit, you know, uh, nothing to be scared of with a situation like that. Um, and, and, you know, my hope as an educator is that students, if they're coming from a similar situation where they haven't had a lot of interaction with diverse people, different types of families or people from different racial ethnic categories or gender identity or sexual orientation categories that they can, they can have that spark and have that start to open up. And then that'll hopefully lead them to have their own personal interactions. We're like, why, why was I worried about that? That was dumb. Um, so in our case, we have uh, a multi-continental family in that, uh, our daughters were both born in Ethiopia and, you know, we adopted them. Um, and that's been an amazing thing, challenging, but you know, uh, life changing, amazing experience. Um, you know, so we've got two, two white people and two people that would identify as black in our family and, but their situation's unique because they're growing up with white parents. They're actually originally from a very different part of the world with a very different, really interesting culture, you know? And, uh, so that there's a lot of stuff 
wrapped up in that that makes it uh, particularly interesting and, and it can be challenging though uh, you know our girls are they they're resilient and cool and they just sort of they roll with it and they, they get it they understand what's going on it's not always easy but uh, they they make it they make it relatively easy to uh, to be parents in in a in a different sort of situation in our little mo- modern family what what is now you know I have a modern family myself mm-hmm. so this is this is uh this topic was is near and dear and and I know a lot of people with and I love this term modern family because I think it's fitting mm-hmm. right I think it's the best description yeah. of 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 the diversity that's happening in these fa- in family nowadays right yeah it's just it's modernized it's 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 it's, it's today right? yeah I, I i could see that it's just sort of straightforward it's not yeah. saying it's not laden with a it's just the fact that it's just, just a, the fact. a lot of there are more and more families that 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 are different in all kinds of different ways right so you know and i i think for it sounds like you would probably say something similar that it's awesome i mean it makes life interesting. And it, it's just, that's, that's our life. It's not like we set out to create some interesting, challenging life. It's just, that, that's the, that's the path life took us. Yes. But we're happy it did. Correct. It, is it, it just, it makes for an interesting life. So definitely, definitely has its interesting things that <laughs> have happened uh, and, and continue to happen. Um, but I do think it, it, it gives us, um, in my particular, in my case, my family, uh, my wife, my daughter, we we get a lot of different perspectives. We get we get to see a lot of things and a lot of you know. I, and me personally, I, I think it gives you the opportunity sometimes to sit at tables that you might not have normally gotten to sit at. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you're sitting at those tables, there's some truths that come out that you didn't know. That's what is said at those tables. Or yeah. that's how people feel at those tables. And so, uh, um, and then it also gives you the opportunity sometimes to show the humanity of it all. Mm-hmm. And that um, family's family. The, the, the cultures can be different, but the greater um, purpose is common. Yeah. Um. And that the differences in the big picture may be personally big, but societally small. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I think that's that's a really interesting way to think about it too, that you get you get to sit at different tables. And, you know, for, for you that might look different than the way that looks for me. But yeah. It it does. Uh, you know, for example, well, I mean, we've had the opportunity to to go to Ethiopia several times now over the years um, related to the adoption process, but once as a whole unit to go back on vacation and, and to go back to where, um, you know, the, where the girls are originally from and so forth. Just deep, mind-blowing stuff, but also just fun vacation stuff on the same trip. But, uh, man just experiences that are really 
really super cool that I think Ethiopians, just with this example, are really welcoming to strangers and generous, generous people. So I think most people could go there and have experiences like this. But on the other hand, because we have these Ethiopian kids, there's another level to it because the, the people around you then gravitate to those to those kids. Um, so that's been really interesting. You know, but um, for example, the, just because this pops into mind, this example of the Ethiopians being generous, that if you're if you're just a white person like me traveling in Ethiopia, you might have a similar experience. We were bef- we were uh, heading over there to meet our older daughter for the first time, but we were doing a little bit of traveling in in the northern part of the country first. Which now that there's a, it'd be hard to travel there because there's been a basically a civil war happening in the last year or two, which is very sad. There are a lot of different ethnic groups and, and uh, cultures that within the, the country is not monolithic in any way. So, but there there is this spirit of generosity, I think, that transcends all those divisions there in Ethiopia too. So we're at this place in the city called Lalibela. And you kind of think about some of the stuff we were talking about before, like who gets who gets included and who gets left out of things like the, the, the wonders of the world, right? These, right. Uh, I, I would challenge, uh, it'd, be, it'd be interesting here if any of your listeners have ever heard of the stone churches of La Libela in Ethiopia. This is, these are churches, I want to say there are something like 13 of them that are carved in, out of granite, solid granite. Bruh. In, I think the 1300s. Now that 13 number, it might I might be off slightly, but this was way back before any kind of modern machinery or technology or anything. They they had a very sophisticated culture in lots of the world, including Africa, including Ethiopia, and uh, this uh, this King Lalibela said that God told them they needed to build these churches that are all inter- interconnected and carved out of solid granite little um, formations, you know, small mountainous type formations. And they're amazing. How did they do it? It's, it's sort of, it's, it's mind-boggling how they could possibly have, have done it. That's about all I'm going to say about it. But we were there. We were staying at this hotel nearby. And I think we were the only people staying at the hotel. Mm. A. Um, and it was just a really interesting time. It was, a, it was a, a kind of a bustling small village, but I couldn't believe it. Sitting out on the balcony. I could, I'm going to tr- try to cut this short to get to the point, but sitting out on the veranda after we got settled in, and there's it was like a loud buzz. But, you know, like if you're in Chicago or Milwaukee or something, there's a buzz of the city. Right. But that buzz is going to be, Car noise, all you know, machinery noise. Right there, this buzz was of people walking and talking, donkeys braying, birds singing. It was amazing. Like nothing, nothing uh, modern machinery oriented, cars or anything. So that was some. We're sitting out there, just kind of blowing my mind, and then all of a sudden, we we uh, we hear this call, hello. C- come, 
come have coffee. I invite you. We look down, and uh, it's this young lady uh, who I come to find out is 17 or 18. She's finished in high school. And, you, th- you know, cynical American training, you know, you're like, what do they want? <laughs> we are tainted as Americans. I know. <laughs> and I, you know, the first thought is, well, tourists come there, and they, 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 they interact with them for some purpose. Nope. She'd never seen a tourist before, never seen a white person before. Oh. She was just carrying out hospitality, Ethiopian style. A teenage girl. And she says, and she says, come over for coffee. And we're like, us? Are you t- yeah, yeah, you, come on. So we went over there, and she's got this two-room house that she shares with her family. But she's the one that does it all. Her parents weren't there or anything. They were, they were off working or whatever. And all of a sudden, all these other kids come in from the neighborhood. But she goes into a back room, comes out with the traditional clothes for the area. Each region, each group has traditional clothes, this beautiful dress. Okay. And then she does this coffee ceremony. We sit there for like two hours. Doesn't want anything. Just wanted to invite us to coffee. So that's just an example of when, when you know, I think if you just kind of go, you go out of your comfort zone, these kind of things will happen. But our modern family sort of facilitated this interesting uh, experience, and, and that's been really cool. And I think even here in the U.S., um, it's it's been neat how it's it's facilitated interactions with African Americans too that may not have happened because they see our kids and they want to ask how they're doing, and it just leads to cool interactions. If if we're if we're out in diverse spaces, that's how these things all kind of tie together. Yes. I, I, yes. Um, and the reason, and the reason I said, you know, about being invited to these tables is, you know, uh, and, and definitely not international, but you know, I'm born and raised Milwaukee. Right. And my wife is born and raised Kosh. Right. And, uh, learning about the Kosh for what it, it, not as a visitor, but truly, what the kosh is about um it's traditions because it has them mm-hmm. there is a culture to oshkosh um who the people are um and what their f and and, and work ethic um how, how they look at the world and and um and being invited in these spaces that i don't know if uh Many people of color have gotten the opportunity to be in in a very comfortable way mm-hmm. where I'm I was not only welcome, but I was invited and asked back all the time and <laughs> maybe became part of uh, the set, <laughs> uh, part of the group, belonging, and, and, man, belonging. Yes, I, I yes, I, I, I and at this point, I, I've been around long enough that, yeah, I, I've there's not a question in my mind. I belong here. And uh, I don't think anybody else is questioning that either <laughs> at this point. So, um, but I do, f- it, it was unique to, to see, to learn, because I know there's others who, who haven't had that opportunity to get as close and being invited and to have these conversations then, and uh, even understand some of the whys, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and, and the hope would be that, like you said, 
Oshkosh has progressed, then hopefully that means that those doors will start opening more and more over time. That people have the chance to to meet and ha- and create relationships, and more people get invited to the table, um, just to feel like they belong. I think that 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 is what's been lacking in Oshkosh, diversity wise, for for a lot of the time that I've been here. From from what I've gathered, is just that that feeling like yeah, I mean maybe I maybe I'm tolerated, you know, in in 2010, but do I feel like I belong? I think many people would, would say no, and they probably still would, but there's hopefully more that are saying, no, I'm actually, I'm actually feeling welcomed. You know, that's a big thing that, that I think uh, that when you're, that when you're privileged to be in a, the majority group, whatever the setting is, you don't, you don't have to think about something so fundamental. Like, do I actually, can I feel comfortable just being here, being who I am right now? Yeah. That's the thing that people don't think about because yeah. they don't have to. Simple things like uh, going out to eat and not catching the extra looks. Exactly. Uh, uh, just very simple, basic things. Um, same thing with going to have a, a libation somewhere. Just exactly. being able to go sit somewhere and... And not have the record go... <laughs> well, that, I don't even find that, but uh, where individuals don't feel like they... They have to come and interview you to figure out why are you here, <laughs> yeah. right? Because that that that's really what it 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 amounts to is there's an interview process yeah. when people want to come and figure out okay so who are you what do you do da, 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 and all these other things instead of just being like having a drink like I'm having a drink yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you know for people like me that is basically never an issue. I, the one kind of funny thing that comes to mind because geographically it's close to where we both live. I won't say the name of the place, but I was doing a little, um, tavern tour with my dad and brother-in-law shortly after we moved here and discovered some places that I never returned to. And this is one of them. Mm. Uh, and this is as a white dude, Mm. uh, but but I also you know I I could see visible signs that people who weren't white would be explicitly not welcome there. I'm like, ah, no thank you. But it's so hilarious. We uh we walk in the door and the the guy I presume to be the owner says, "What the f are you doing there?" But he said the actual f word. Uh, get a beer. Said repool in the window. You know, the thing that, that a lot of white people don't understand is that a lot of people who aren't white have probably been dealing with that same basic thing. Maybe it's not, maybe it's said through a look their whole lives. And what, you know, just that's what I try to get students to think of. This is new to them. Just imagine if that were your reality. You ha- and that's why we, you know, the fundamental concept in the field is sociological imagination. You have to imagine because you can't experience it for yourself. But what, just try to think about what that would be like. Every place you go, somebody's giving you that look like, what the F are you doing here? And I'm going to eyeball you and follow you around a store or whatever. Um, so hopefully over time there's there's less of that happening. I, I personally, uh, and all I can give is uh, my experience, yes, a lot less. 
And, uh, and I just think at this point, uh, there's just been an enough change and, and whereas, uh, you know, change is one of those things. I don't know if people think like, if I complain about it enough, it'll start to reverse itself or something. But now I think that there has been enough change that there is an understanding that there is nothing. The change will only continue to move forward. So I better right. find ways to to work within it, to work with it, to understand it, um, to accept it. And maybe if not anything else, just not to to per se verbally really fight it mm. right where, where it's there's that that true um battle against it where mm. i'm like i don't like it mm. i don't hear that as much i don't hear that kind of thing um very often at all and maybe it's just who my circles are or or the way or the tables i'm sitting at um but i i, I don't feel that hardly at all anymore it's kind of more like a uh yep (laughs) it is what it is yep it's changed yeah and i think the thing is the subtle the subtle resistance or the subtle lack of change progress is what it'll take longer and i and that's my brain went back to the topic, modern family, and then I'm thinking about my kids. And I know from uh, experience from the last couple of years that uh, in, the, in the Oshkosh schools, for example, there's a long ways to go to where what's being put in place and carried out in the, in the classroom and in, and in the, the school buildings is geared towards making making sure that everyone belongs there. And I could, I could give lots of examples uh, that have been quite frustrating as a parent of someone from a modern family, as a sociologist, as some, just some dude that lives in Oshkosh. So, I mean, but it's, it's sort of like you're saying, you got to keep plugging away at it until uh, people start to realize that for us to do our jobs well, we have to like, bump this up so like you're saying with businesses we want to survive this has to bump further up on the priority list i don't think we're there in words with uh, the public school system in oshkosh but the actual change is going to take time well especially if it remains sort of acknowledged but not really it can't addressed head on here's the thing it it it, we're past that point Uh, um i just think that we're at a point um, in the system that they just don't know what to do because they f- for so long tried to pretend as if the things didn't happen. But mm-hmm. the Oshkosh school district is at a point that the Oshkosh school district is 25% students of color. I know one in four, one in four. So I, you know, it's one of those things like sometimes you looking at it and you, you, you're looking at it and you realize change is happening, but then someone has to tell you, oh, this is how far it is. So I've noticed this has been happening, but I really didn't think anything about it. I've just been looking at it. And now you're telling me that our school district is 25% students of color. Didn't realize that we're actually going to have to do something to but- try to 
help with the acclimation and 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 education and programming for these students because now they're one in four and guess what that number's not going down no you know you know what appleton's is at right now 36 percent yeah I hear you. Like and, and it's, so, it's here, so we have to right. figure it out. And guess what? The the one thing about change, uh, and I'm a big I'm big on this is what people have to understand about change is you you only there's two choices with change, you either partner with it or you succumb to it. Yeah, because it will win in the end. So so your choice is, right? If you fight against it, you'll never win. Change will happen regardless. And you'll be overcome by it. So your better bet is to figure out how do we prepare and partner for the change ahead. Yeah, and I, I agree. The thing that the thing that I'm concerned about um, is what happens to the people that are suffering while those people are just going along with it, trying to catch up. I mean, what's hap- what's happening to those students now that are getting an inferior? They're getting an inferior education. I'm talking about all the students because yes. because the people that are shaping the the whole environment of education are not uh, they're not there yet. And it's a syst- It's complex. It's a system that's complex. But but something's gotta yeah. But I think that happen. give is happening. I think that give is happening because. The students are saying, "We got to change because this is my this is this is my friend. These yeah. are my neighbors. These are these are my people." <laughs> and the students, I think, in a lot of ways, are saying, "Hey, you know, we we we, you know." I don't want to feel this way as if my friend over here isn't getting the same, uh, isn't invited to the same tables I am or the same experiences. I want them to sit next to me because that's my friend. And, yeah. and I think there's, there's, that's happening. And, and I think some of these students are going to different households and sharing, breaking bread and having meals, which makes other people say, Hey, Yeah. I do these things. Got to do these things, and, and and I I and maybe I'm maybe I'm ignorant, but I think the pushback or the ability to ignore, and I won't even call it pushback because I don't even know if it's really pushback. Uh, I think it's it's trying to ignore um, more than pushback, but there's pushback too. Um, they can't do it anymore because the change is it's hit. Hit critical mass, right? Where you have to acknowledge it. One in four, bruh. <laughs> yep, you're right, and I think uh, it is happening to an extent. And I, but I also think that what's what what what's going on is that, despite all that, there are certain things that people in the majority group don't see because they're they don't have to wrestle with it. And that's students, that's teachers, administrators, that's at, in the school system, that's UWO too. Um, so ways of talking about things, things to consider. Yeah, uh, they're not, 
they're not uh, against any progress per se. I mean, I think there probably still are some, but I think most people are, are, are for it. They just don't know what they don't know. I agree with that. I, I would agree with that 100%. And in the, in the process, people are still getting slighted. People are still getting alienated. People oh, yeah. are still falling through the cracks, even though one in four, I mean, <laughs> this should not be happening, but it, but it still does, unfortunately. So we just have to keep, I think we just have to keep encouraging um, more direct action and, and awareness and, and keep pushing it. Because, um, you know, I was, I was thinking about teaching at UWO and, and just a real quick story. This is, this is a while ago now. Um, it's probably 10 years ago. Um, no, it was a little, it, it was newer than that, but the point is because I was chair. So I got this invitation to be part of a talk about teaching millennials. And I said, well, yep, we'll do it. Somebody asked us sociology. They're going to ask us to do something like on a panel. We'll do it. Then I hung up the phone. Like, okay, what do we do? A, sociologists don't put all that much stock in these generational, these ideas that you can just generalize about generate generations very much B we didn't have anybody that studies that sort of thing but I think we came up with something good um, one of the main points though is that millennials and Gen Z then is even more diverse millennials w were the most diverse generation of all time um, the largest and more diverse that larger than the baby boomers much more diverse but here's the challenge with teaching them and I think that's what we're dealing with still now, uh, to a, maybe to a greater extent because of social media making it appear a certain way. Right. Like we know we're diverse. We are diverse because look, let me show you my, let me let me show you TikTok or my, you know, look at this what I'm looking at. Look at look at my contacts on social media or whatever. So people believe they are living in a diverse environment, but actually on a day-to-day -day basis aren't, which makes it maybe even more challenging than when you went to school in some ways because it's like, this guy can't tell me anything about diversity. I'm living it. I have all kinds of friends that are blah, blah, blah. But yeah. <laughs> but do you really? But do you really? Right. In reality, what does your day-to-day -day environment look like? And how are you talking? Uh, you know, because what I'm hearing is that we got... Lots, just as one example, at the middle school where my child went the last couple of years, all kinds of white kids saying the N-word all the time, according to her. Not necessarily in the old school derogatory way, but in ways that made her not comfortable and other people like, yeah, but we can do that, right? There's even a thing that uh, apparently N-word pass, like, right? Uh, I got an N-word pass on this one, right? I can say it in this. That's a thing. Uh, just one maybe slightly trivial example, but I don't think it's too trivial, is that people think they're more, the, the, they've made more, they're, they're at a more um, evolved position it, than they are. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, you know what? Right. <laughs> Look. I want to clarify for anyone that knows me. There is no N-word passes. 
There's just not. No. It's not a thing. I just want you to know. You 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 get love, you get respect. You know, I'll invite you over for meals. No passes. No. It, it, not in the Smith household. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ah, that's crazy I gotta say that, but you know what? I felt good saying that. Good. good. <laughs> well, if nothing else, we covered that topic. No, no one would pass. No one would pass. No, okay. but I mean, I don't want to end it on a pessimistic note. I just, I think there's a long way to go, and it's only natural. These things, because, you know, getting back to that, sort of like the millennials and, and, and now it's Gen Z, whatever, whatever generalizations people want to make, like, oh, they're more diverse, more tolerant. The surveys say that's true. Uh, there's no doubt. You know, but when my students were doing a film about the question, is Oshkosh still a sundown town? That's a whole, if you don't know what a sundown town is, look it up. Um, I'll give a shout out right now to James Lowen, sociologist who just died. And he wrote, he wrote a couple books that were really kind of earth shaking. One is Lies My Teacher Told Me. Look it up if you haven't read it. Every teacher should read this book. It would help a lot. <laughs> And two, Sundown Towns, A Hidden Dimension of American Racism, which mentions, it's about the country, but it mentions the Fox Valley numerous times throughout the book. Um, so, James, why did, was I talking about James Lowen? Dang it, I lost my train of thought. Well, you, you started off giving him a shout out. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, and we were going down the path. I think you okay, were... Okay, got, got it, Okay, thank you. So I had my students, they were making a short film. I, I got to team teach this documentary filmmaking class with a radio TV film professor one time. It was so awesome. Troy Perkins, shout out to you, but he left and went to Texas. So shouldn't have done that, Troy. Anyway, um, the students interviewed a person who was a well-known politician in Oshkosh at the time. Okay, He's on camera, and he's saying what a lot of people, I think, would say, which is, oh, there's a lot had grown up here, you know, a middle-aged guy. A lot less um, direct racism and things like that. You know, sundown town. Oh, I haven't heard that term for a while. I was thinking, I'm guessing you've never heard that term because this is not something that's widely discussed. Hence, this book that was like, <laughs> you know, half a foot thick about about documenting this and so forth. But anyway, he says something that again I think a lot of people think, which is, oh, we're we're doing so much better. We just need the last of the racists to die off, basically. It sounds kind of dumb, but lots of people say that. They say it in, in my classroom regularly. But in sociology, we say, can that possibly be true? Here's a problem. How do people learn how to act in society? One of the fundamental things we do in sociology is a process called socialization, where the agents of socialization, primarily the people that raise you, but teachers, uh, the media, your peers, they teach you how to act. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So it's, there's less blatant racism. That is good. But what subtle things are people still perpetuating through stereotypes or things that they don't talk about or things that they misunderstand because of the, their own lack of interaction with people that are different, for example, that are getting directly taught to those kids, whether they're millennials or Gen Z? That's a problem. That means it's, it's just going to take a lot longer than a lot of people would want to hope for these things to get rooted out and, and, you know, 
will they ever go away? I doubt it, but it's going to take a lot longer than a lot of people think. You know, Ta-Nehisi Coates, when he came and spoke at Lawrence a couple of years ago, if you haven't, if, if you haven't uh, heard of him, you should read his book, uh, Between the World and Me, his letter to his teenage son about how to survive as a black man in America. Best talk I ever saw at Lawrence. Um, you know, and one, one of the things he said, he's not a very optimistic person, very blunt. Um, and people were saying, well, we're making progress and things like that. He's like, no, it took 400 years to get to this point. It's probably going to take about 400 years for it to, to, to get to a point where we're looking, truly looking at something different, among other th- interesting things that he said. But we're never going to get there if we don't talk about these things honestly and try to deal with them head on that that's kind of my big point with it like let's not pretend that yes it's I think it's great that one in four young people in Oshkosh are students of color I think it's wonderful but that doesn't mean that just because we have a critical mass that our problems are solved we got to deal with them directly well I'm not saying that's what you're saying either yeah, yeah no the problem isn't solved what I think uh what critical mass does, and I really do believe that the only way to solve the problem, the reason that the problem will not can't just die off is because personally, my my opinion is siloing. So it's really easy if we don't live together and Amen. everyone lives in neighborhoods that are all segregated out and you don't have any diversity in your life and you don't got any friends or you don't break bread. with it, and, I, and I don't mean that person you might work with. Right. One or two, you say hello to every day or nothing like that. I don't mean any of those things. I mean, somebody you truly know, know, and talk to, kick it with, and break bread. I, I my, my last one is always about, have you sat down and shared a meal together? Right. Where you've just... Because I do think eating is the great equalizer. Good food is good food, <laughs> and, and that's where right, and 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 that's where really uh, you f- kind of figure out. Oh yeah, we're kind of all the same, you know. Can I say something? Yeah. What do you what, what are you asking for? <laughs> I just want to say hundred percent. You should hit the clap button for yourself right there. Yeah, because I couldn't agree more. That, yeah. And that's that's sociology in action. I mean, sure, all these things can change in the culture, but if we're living separated in a separated fashion, yeah, you're not going to get to that point of belonging. You're not going to see yourself as part of the same group, like the we. Right. The we is going to be really small. Well, we think this, or we're concerned about that. You start you start having meals with other people, and actually living an integrated life, you're gonna you're gonna get to that bigger we. And more people feel like they belong. Yeah. Well, I think uh, when you do that, you find out real quick. Like, we'll go back to the fact that there's a there's a lot of commonality there, and 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 we're more the same than not. Yep. Um, by far, uh, you know, we all got to pay these bills. Uh, I don't know nobody who likes taxes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, everybody likes a good. Uh, uh, good food. Uh, everybody wants a, a, a car that runs uh, a safe place for your family to be raised. Um, I find that the the basics, the fundamental basics of, of life here and 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 in American society. I don't care who you are. I don't know many people that want something different. Mm-hmm. Like the, the fundamental, the very fundamental foundation of, of 
what I would call American society, no matter what culture you are, even if you're foreign and you're trying to, 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 to acclimate into American culture, I still think the basics are the basics. Yeah. And, and, uh, I don't feel bad promoting it again because it's mainly profiling this Afghan guy that I was talking about, but look at the things that he focused on there. Getting a roof over his head that was stable and being safe, be able to provide for his family. And that, that's, yep. that's human beings. Um, not complicated. People, <laughs> it's not complicated. It's just not complicated. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else you want to say? About the topic? No, that was, uh, I think, just like you thought. It branched off into all kinds of stuff that we could talk about for hours, I think. So, yeah. They, we might lose a few listeners if it went on longer, though. So, no, nah, but I, I think, hey, good. look, I'm already thinking this might be a two parter. <laughs> this, this might have That's to be a two That's the problem when you invite me to talk about stuff. I, I got a lot of hot air. I will talk and talk. Hey. Look, For better or worse. I don't know what else you're supposed to do on a podcast. So that, that makes you a good guest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll take it. I'll Bruh. take it. <laughs> All right, it's that time. I just want to make sure, hey, Kosh listeners, thank you so much. But it's, uh, you know, if you got, if you know, we've covered some topics. We've touched sensitive things. Uh, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's anything you want to know about, if there's any, any of the great uh, books or uh, uh, opportunities to learn uh, that Paul had mentioned that you're interested in, please do not hesitate us uh, to contact us at askthekosh at gmail.com. Once again, that is askthekosh at gmail.com. Um, I want to hear from you. Um, if you got anything you want to say to Paul, I will be happy to share with him. Um, and if you want to know about, I will, I will try to gather as many of the, the, um, the books, um, that he, he mentioned and see if we can put some links inside of the, uh, inside of the podcast details. All right. All right. You know what time it is? It is shout out time. It's my favorite. This is my favorite thing about the podcast. You know what? Because shout outs make people happy. All right, Paul, who you shouting out? I got a few. Can I give you a few? Yeah, you can go. You can go as uh, go for as long as you need to. All right, I'm gonna start with Timber and the Kosh Podcast. Uh, I think people, you know, share with your friends. This is good. This is somebody doing something they thought would be a good thing to do and enjoyable. Uh, on their own, you know, is a grassroots success story, and I like it a lot, and I hope people will uh, do appreciate it and will share it. So that's shout-out number one. Shout-out number two, UWO's Susquecentennial, which I mentioned earlier. I'm going to go sample one of those Susquecentennial ales later. Timber won't because he doesn't like beer, but... Um, Wait a minute. I'd look. I... <laughs> I could be talked into it. <laughs> you can twist my arm. Right. Well, I'll, you know. I'll meet you there. It? it looks like it's not, it's not raining. But in any case, uh, UWO, um, I think it's a pretty darn good place. It brought me here. My, my life's been uh, better for it. It brought Timber to, to Oshkosh, I think. Yes, this is true. And uh, we had the pleasure of crossing paths while both working for, for UWO. But, um, you know, I think it's uh, it's 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 – 
moving in the right direction. Like a lot of the things we're talking about, I think UWO is moving in the right direction too. It's There's been some bumps in the road since I've been here and in recent years for sure. Um, but it's, what would this place be without that university? And, uh, you know, it's touched a lot of lives and made this a richer environment, that's for sure. So being here right in the same spot in the heart of town since 1871, um, I sure hope that town-gown divide that kind of very interesting um, in some ways kind of bizarre, but in other ways very understandable because of the kind of working class um, manufacturing history of the place. I hope that's going away though. I hope it's starting to dissolve because that that's another one of those divisions that doesn't help things. I think um, just real quick, I think the thing that helps it is that uh, from, from being here and, and being part of the fabric of, of the cash, uh, a lot of people's children go to UWO, and I think that that changes dynamic. No doubt. And and one thing that's so interesting about that, too, is with the 2010 census anyway, um, Oshkosh was the 10th most homegrown city in the whole country. I don't know if that's changed in the intervening 10 years because I, I haven't – I don't think that information has been analyzed yet. But what a what a luxury to be in a place where you, you want to stay – and you can. You can go to a pretty darn good university and get a decent job and stay here if you want to. You know, that that's that's amazing. Not a lot of people would, would love to be in that situation and not have to have their kids like you're saying. They appreciate their kids sticking around. No doubt they do. And they might want them to go see more of the world, yeah, but who doesn't want their kids close by? You know, and where I'm from, there happened to be a small college in my town. That's why I grew up there and my parents taught there, but the brain drain is real, and uh, this is a place that can do something about that, in part because it's got a great university right here. So that's the first one. Oshkosh Food Co-op, um, I was member number three. I was the third person to plunk down the the one-time $180 fee Nice to become a member owner, and now we've got 1,800 members 10 years later, and the store is open. Count me in. I'm one. Yes. <laughs> Awesome. And, you know, it's a nice store. When, if you're a Kosh listener who is, doesn't know about the co-op, you need to know that anybody can go there. There, there are benefits to joining. Um, there are some member-only things that happen from time to time, discounts and activities and things like that. But really, it's a place for everyone. It's just that we own it together, which is awesome. The last one that came to mind is 314 Pizza because today is their year anniversary. And this has been a really good new development right in our neighborhood here. So Travis and 314 Pizza, shout out to you. Um, I've been really impressed to see what you've made out of that space and that you've been able to start in a pandemic and be successful. And I really enjoy being able to walk to a good pizza joint and have a beer and sit outside or whatever the case might be and right right in our east side neighborhood. So those are my shout outs, Timber. I'm with you. Uh Travis, uh I was supposed to actually have Travis as a guest and 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 uh one time 
I canceled. Next time he canceled. So Travis, the invite's still there. Would love to have you on. We appreciate you. That pizza is amazing. Yeah, like it's, it's quality. Yeah, and I hear there's gonna be uh, all sorts of good stuff down the block today. So I hear there's some wings, some pulled pork, and I'm about that life. I'm going to go break bread <laughs> with my neighbors here on the block yes, of Ada Ave and Bowen Street. We're gonna go make it happen today. All right. Um, my shout out goes to the vaccine clinics. Uh, thank you for the work that you are doing. Uh, let's keep moving forward. Uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm and, and, and my big thing is this. I just want to make sure that uh, we, we don't make moves backwards. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, like, I, it ain't like I like shots. I'm not into it per se. Right. But what I do want is we're heading in a direction forward, and I don't want things uh, to to allow us to make steps backwards. And that, that's where I'm coming from. So all those that have done it, those that I've got to participate with, the people, the organizers that I know, thank you, thank you, thank you for all the hard work that you've been putting out there. Uh, I second that. You know. All right. It is the time. We are at wrap up. One more thing to do, Paul, and that is parting words of wisdom. What do you got for us? Well, I guess I would just reiterate something that was kind of a theme. um, And that is just, you know, think about. Think about uh, people who maybe don't feel like they belong around you for whatever reason. And, and how you might change that, how, how you can play a role in changing that. If, if, if we all started thinking that way a little bit more, I think a lot of good things could start to happen. I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you for being a guest, Paul. Thank you. It was really fun, Timber. Keep up the good work. I appreciate that. To the Kosh listeners, the Kosh. Sweet.